Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by the iconography of Father Thomas J. Loya. Father Loya's iconography for your prayer and home devotion may be obtained by going to MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com. That's MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com. Then click on the Art and Decorative link and click on Icons in the drop-down or call 630-629-1720. Morningstar Books and Gifts, 28 West St. Charles Street, Lombard, Illinois. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya. I'm glad that you're listening to me and all of us here at Light of the East, but also we like hearing from you from time to time, and we enjoy getting your letters, and we did get a couple of letters recently, and these letters actually present a lot of good material or reason, an insight actually, and so I'm going to read these letters from our listeners, and I'm going to address some of their concerns. This letter comes from, I'm going to use a different name. I'm going to just call him John. John says this. He wrote to me. He says, I would like to thank you for the Light of the East radio program, which has broadened my Catholic experience in a wonderful way, no doubt in the manner in which John Paul II intended with his Orientali Lumen encyclical. You have been a great blessing to my faith. Well, thank you, John. That's, that's really heartwarming for us. I'll continue with his letter. He says, I'll get straight to the point. I've really fallen in love with Byzantine worship and have read much lately on the Eastern Church. In doing so, I have been greatly blessed with exposure to our Orthodox brothers and sisters. I even considered changing rites to the Byzantine Catholic rite. But soon after considering this, our local Byzantine Catholic parish closed. I have been attending Wednesday Vespers at the local Orthodox Church and attending Roman Catholic Mass on Sundays. But my dilemma is this. My interest in the Orthodox Church has yielded great spiritual fruit. I felt not only compelled to possibly convert to Orthodoxy, but to possibly consider the priesthood as well. But I married. I felt a pull toward the priesthood for over a decade, but have not been able to respond due to my married state. My greatest problem, quote-unquote, is that I tend to associate my Christianity with communion with Peter. It would feel as though I were betraying the Pope and the Catholic Church if I converted. I have absolutely nothing against Catholicism, but the fruits of my Orthodox journey are undeniable and I constantly pray about it for guidance. It's all very frustrating. My head says one thing, my heart another. Father Tom, can you offer a poor sinner some advice? My local Orthodox priest is all too happy to speak with me, but I am reluctant to mention any of this to my current Catholic priest out of embarrassment and frustration. I merely wish to serve the Lord in the capacity to which I am called, but that path is cluttered with uncertainty and bewilderment. I suppose my ultimate question is, do I risk losing my salvation, if not officially in communion with the See of Peter, even if it's to join a church which is similarly apostolic? At what point does one become heretical? How do you define schismatic, but not heretical? Anyway, any advice would be appreciated. Thank you, John. 
Well, thank you, John, for your letter. And by the way, I'm using his name, John. It's not his real name, but I'm doing that for the sake of you know a little bit of privacy, confidentiality, respect, and so on. However, I do want to read this letter as I did because I think it is very typical of many letters or many questions that I get of this nature. It seems to be a growing kind of phenomena. And so this particular letter, this message from John, is filled with a lot of material that can provide a lot of insight for maybe a lot of people. Whether you're going through the same discernment as John or not, his letter, I think, is a great platform for insight. And here's how I would answer John's quote-unquote dilemma, which is actually really a matter of discernment. Now, discernment is something that's not a dilemma, though it certainly can be, and it's something that's beyond a decision. It's more than a decision. Discernment is actually, and maybe this is why we sometimes see it as a dilemma, is one of the most challenging things in life. I know because I've experienced it myself in discerning vocation. Anytime you do a discernment, what you're trying to do is you're trying to hear as accurately as possible the stirring of the Holy Spirit in your heart. In order to do that, you have to remove a whole lot of clutter, clutter that we don't even realize sometimes we take on. We have to kind of open ourselves up, make some silence for the Spirit to to get in, to speak to us, for us to be able to recognize that indeed it is the voice of the Holy Spirit. And the way you know is the voice of the Holy Spirit and know which way to finally go when you're discernment. It's actually kind of indescribable. It's sort of greater than some of its parts. A priest once told me, he described it this way, and I like to use this phrase. He said, it's kind of like a holy tug. In other words, it's something that's tugging at you that you can't really identify totally with words or even see real clearly, but you just know it's very, very real. More real than words, more real than anything. And so that's the the direction you go. That's the first thing I would say to John and to any of you out there when you're in discernment, that discernment is a matter of trying to hear or feel the tug of the Holy Spirit. And it's always good to have a spiritual director whenever we're going through discernment. And spiritual directors and spiritual direction is a very, very vital part of Eastern Christian spirituality. In fact, in the Eastern Christian spirituality, which of course we promote and talk about on our program here, Light of the East, in the Eastern Christian spirituality, we believe very much in being obedient to one's spiritual father. See, the spiritual guide is someone who is supposed to help you to hear the Holy Spirit. They don't tell you what to do. It's not advice. It's not the same thing as advice. But rather, it's to help you get the clutter out of your life so that you can, in fact, hear or rather feel that tug of the Holy Spirit and to feel it unmistakably so you know which way to go, you know which way to take a leap. And ultimately, it is a leap. So the first thing I would say to John is realize what this is you're going through. Discernment is trying to hear or feel the tug of the Holy Spirit, to hear it clearly. And one needs a spiritual guide in that regard. Usually it's a spiritual director or a spiritual father, and you must be obedient to him if you want to do it according to the Eastern tradition. And hopefully that spiritual father, and a lot of times they're hard to come by today, is himself or herself able to help hear the Holy Spirit in the life of the person that they are directing. The next thing I would say to John is this. I'm glad that you have fallen in love with the Byzantine liturgy, the Eastern churches, and appreciation of the Eastern churches, even though you're a Roman Catholic. That's, of course, part of our mission here in Light of the East, part of what John Paul II instructed us to do through his letter, Orientale Lumen, was to, in fact, come to a greater appreciation of the Eastern lung of the church, as he called it. And so I'm really, really glad, John, to hear this. I wish this was even more the case as part of our mission here on Light of the East. But in falling in love with the Eastern churches, what I would recommend 
is that you immerse yourself as much as possible into the Eastern Church and into its entirety. In other words, not only its liturgy, but into its lived experience, into its, its parishes, its monasteries, its bishops, its people. Read about it, yes. Pray as an Easterner. Try to experience that prayer in Eastern churches. But immerse yourself in the total life of it so that your picture, your sense of the Eastern Church, since you're discerning whether you should move in that direction or not, your discernment must be as whole and honest and clear as possible. And one of the most important things to do is to have a very comprehensive, or you might want to say realistic, view and sense of the Eastern churches. Now, you do have a little disadvantage because, as you said, your parish or your mission that was nearby that you could attend and experience the Eastern Catholic Church Apparently, it has closed, unfortunately, regrettably. However, what I would recommend on that note is this. Oftentimes, when you're attending one Eastern Catholic Church, there might actually be other Eastern Catholic churches in the area or fairly nearby. And these would include not just the Ruthenian Byzantine Catholic Church that you apparently were attending, of which I also am a member, but also it would include things like the Cyril Malabar, Cyril Malankar, Chaldean, Maronite, Melkite, Ukrainian Byzantine Catholics, Belarusians. Oftentimes, when there is not one Eastern Rite, one particular Eastern Rite in a particular area, there's sometimes, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, there is an Eastern Church of another Eastern Rite. So search around for that because that will still keep you connected with Eastern Christian spirituality. And again, I want to emphasize for anyone going through this type of discernment, and many people are, because I get many letters and questions like this. If you're going through that, It's very important, vital, that you immerse yourself into the lived experience, that you pray and live the liturgical life, but also the life of the people. Remember, Eastern spirituality, something you might read in a book, a a theology book, or a book on spirituality could be very inspiring. That's all good. Or even attending the liturgy, the prayer is good. You must do those things, read and attend. But also, always remember, those things that can be very impressive and very beautiful and lofty as they are, you have the theology, the spiritual, the liturgy. Those things at the same time are incarnated in a real live church with its own drama, its own dynamic, its own history, its own situation, its own, to use the word, phenomenological existence. In other words, what is the living story, the living reality of that church? What is that liturgy and theology ensconced and incarnated in? So you want to kind of try to experience as much as possible the full package, as it were, of a church that anyone, this is for anyone who might be discerning a church that they feel may be called to move into, experience it in its totality as much as possible. We're going to continue to address John's remarkable letter on Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East's mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Would you like to hear this Light of the East program again? Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya. Or hear Father Loya's companion program, A Body of Truth. Just visit the radio page at byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. Or hear it again. Hear it again. Hear it again. again. For the first time. Why? 
why does he have to watch every single bowl game this week? Right, ladies? This is Father Thomas J. Loy with a Theology of the Body moment for the Tabor Life Institute. Men love football for the same reason they love to make love, become a father, seek adventure, experience mystery, and see beauty. For men, football is an experience of the spells of mystery through a sport. Mystically speaking, the point of football is to plant the seed in the end zone. The coveted end zone can only be approached with the greatest attentiveness and finesse. A pass reception becomes the conception of six new points, and the team celebrates their fruitfulness. So remember, ladies, football for him is an experience of the very dynamics contained in the spousal mystery. And gentlemen, don't forget where your real experience of the spousal mystery is found. To find out more about the theology of the body, visit TaborLife.org. TaborLife.org. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. You're listening to the choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you... Welcome back to Light of the East. We're entertaining a letter from a listener. We're calling him John. Got a number of letters recently, and we really appreciate that, so please keep them coming. The reason we're entertaining John's letter is because it's a very telling letter. It gives us a a large venue, a wide-open venue, to bring a lot of insight into things that many of you listening probably are experiencing in some way or another, and that is discernment, or if you may have come upon the Eastern churches and you are originally from the Latin rite, the Western traditions, and thinking of becoming an Eastern Catholic or even, even an Eastern Orthodox person, these are hopefully insights that will be valuable to you. Now, we'll continue with some of John's discernment process. One of the things John is concerned about is that he's attracted to the Orthodox Church, or the Eastern churches, Eastern Catholic and Orthodox Church, and he's wondering that what if he were to become Orthodox out of his sense of attraction to it, his, his love for it, or where he maybe generally feels called to go, even though he is a Latin Rite Catholic. He has a loyalty to the See of Peter, in other words, to being in communion with Rome and to his Latin Rite tradition, but he also feels called to the East. Now, if we were to go to the East, he's fearful that he might be, quote-unquote, heretical or schismatic, or just the fact of breaking communion with, in a personal basis with the Pope of Rome concerns him. And rightfully so. These are huge issues. And John's discernment is, in a sense, a kind of a dilemma. I don't mean that in a negative sense, because you're talking about something that's very deep, very personal, something he really believes in and knows is very valuable, you know, being part of the Catholic Church. At the same time, he's equally feeling a genuine draw to the East. This is how I might answer or 
offer some guidance for John. And for those of you who maybe have a similar question or similar discernment, first of all, we have to remember that neither the Orthodox churches or the Roman Catholic Church are heretical. Unfortunately, this term gets thrown around a lot between the two of them sometimes, among, among some members of those churches, by the way, not everyone. And it does so because one side or the other says, articulates a particular theology or dogma in their particular way. The East might have a certain emphasis or articulation of a certain dogma, such as, for instance, the Immaculate Conception or the Assumption, in other words, Dormition, the Mother of God. And the West has its own emphasis or way of articulating it. Now, because these ways are different, it doesn't mean that in the end they arrive at some vastly different points. But because they express them or experience them differently, really in a complementary way, Sometimes there's a tendency by some on either side, East and West, to look at the other as though they're wrong, or to use this very harsh word, heretical. We have to be very, very careful about that word heretical. Because something is different, we might have a different understanding of it, doesn't mean that we're necessarily heretical. So I would not be afraid of that, either in the Orthodox churches or the Roman Catholic Church. Neither one is heretical, although sometimes they refer that to each other. It's really inappropriate. The other word is schismatic. Now, years ago, this word schismatic was used quite often, but now it's one of those words that is kind of frowned upon for using in, in terms of ecumenical dialogue and these kinds of discernments. And the reason is, is because schismatic implies that the Roman Catholic Church, the Latin Rite Church, is sort of like the good guys, and the Orthodox, the East, were the bad guys, or the bad boys, the bad children, kind of split away, and so that they are schismatic. Well, the fact of the matter is, the great schism of 1054, from where we get the word schismatic, was actually the work of both East and West. They both excommunicated each other. They both kind of, as we say today, copped an attitude towards each other. They both forgot to count to 10 and had two people, one on either side, done that. We probably would still be in communion with each other today. This is what I believe. If we look at history, I think that's true. Yes, there was a growing tension and strangement between the two, but then it came to a head and one excommunicated the other, and the other one says, well, I'm going to excommunicate you. And there we have it. So the schism occurred between both. Both were, in a sense, at fault or guilty, or, or both equally had a play in this. So when you use the word schismatic, which we don't like to do anymore, and the reason we don't like to do it anymore is because it has that sense of, well, here's the good guy, and here's the bad guy. And if the bad guy of the East would just kind of shape up like the prodigal son and come back to the Pope of Rome, then everything would be okay. Well, it's not a matter of one coming back to the other. It's a matter of both coming back to each other. We always have to keep in mind that East and West are of equal dignity. Yes, absolutely, there is something very special about the See of Peter, the Pope of Rome. No doubt about that. Even the Orthodox churches, who have a problem with the papal infallibility, will acknowledge that from the very beginning to this day, and I assume to the end of time, Rome has a special place, a kind of a first among equals. The problem is, what does that actually mean jurisdictionally, when you, when you get into the concrete and all that kind of sense of power and hierarchy and so on? That's really the problem. But East will acknowledge that there is something still special, and always has been, about Rome. What that is exactly is where the differences lie. So, heretic and schismatic are two words, John, I think you don't have to be afraid of. In terms of the Sea of Peter, having said all this, I would say, yes, there is a reason to be concerned and to really kind of think a lot, discern a lot, before one actually chooses to break union or break from communion with 
the Pope of Rome. In other words, if you join the Orthodox Church, you would essentially be breaking communion, at least personally, maybe not in your heart, your mind, but jurisdictionally, you would be breaking communion with the Pope of Rome. And naturally, that's a very, very big question, and one that certainly I would caution anyone to think about very deeply. At the same time, no one can say, not even a spiritual director in the, in the final analysis, no one can say when it comes to that last step of discernment what a person ought to do. There's a point when the spiritual director walks with that person all the way, except that last and final step, it's between the Holy Spirit and that person. And no one can really judge that, at least not with any authority. We might have our thoughts about it, but no one can really judge that piece of it. So it's kind of like taking the two things together. The idea that breaking communion with the See of Peter, with the Pope of Rome, is a very, very weighty matter to consider. But at the same time, one has to weigh that against, where is the Holy Spirit calling me? Where do I really believe the Holy Spirit is truly, truly calling me? And one never knows. Perhaps the Holy Spirit calls us to a place for a time, and maybe the situations will change. But we have to discern, where is that Spirit calling me to? The other issue in John's letter was that he is a married man. And he knows that in the Latin Rite Church, unless, of course, you're a Protestant convert, there's been many Protestant converts who were accepted in the Latin Rite Church as married, the Reformed ministers in the Protestant churches, and they were accepted with their wives and so on, and they became priests. Except in those cases, obviously, the Latin Rite Church has only celibate priests, and it doesn't look as though they're going to change that. In the Eastern tradition, married men have been allowed to become priests. They have to be a married man first. Priests don't get married. Married men become priests. Very important to get that order straight. This is true in the many Eastern Catholic churches, especially in the churches of origin and the countries of origin, such as in Central Europe and Russia and Middle East. But it certainly has been true in the Orthodox Church throughout the world, not only in the countries of origin. So the Eastern churches, yes, they have the only real possibility of being a married man and becoming a priest. Now, the fact that you have always sensed that is, again, is kind of like almost like a double discernment on your part, John. There are many people out there like yourself, believe me, who have this discernment. I've run across many men today who are attracted to the Eastern churches. Their heritage is from the West, the Roman Catholic, and they've also been attracted to the priesthood, even all their life, but they're married. So I also, John, don't want you to feel that you're alone in your discernment. And many of you out there, hopefully, what we're saying here today in light of the East is maybe ringing some familiar bells, and hopefully it's very helpful to all of you. But the married priesthood is something that, again, is a discernment in its own right. And that discernment, again, must be done with the help of the spiritual director. To be a married man and to be a priest, the only hope, of course, is the Eastern Orthodox churches or Eastern Catholic churches. However, caution, we should not make a decision or, or come to a final analysis of our discernment based on the fact that, well, we want to be a married priest and that's the only option. The only option is to enter the Eastern churches, either Orthodox or Catholic. That would not be really a true discernment. It would seem close, but it's not quite true. You want to just in the foul analysis, go where you believe the Holy Spirit is calling you, all things considered, with no conditions, no strings attached, no other kind of cautions or whatever. In the end, you go where the Spirit most strongly is pulling you. And that sometimes even seems almost irrational or beyond reason. Reason is a part of it, but there's a piece of it that goes even beyond reason. It's something that just tells you, you go here, you go this way. Now, hopefully, as you've heard this, and John, if you're listening, this may seem awfully complex and comprehensive and complicated, 
It's, well, in a sense, it's true. But if I could make it simple, I would simply say this. Immerse yourself as fully as possible into what it is you're trying to discern, you feel called to. And, and in the end, sense and be open to and recognize, with the help of the spiritual director, what seems to be that overpowering pull of the Holy Spirit. Maybe it is to go to the eastern lung of the church, maybe it is not. But if you open yourself to that pull, that holy tug, you will know which way to go. I hope this has been helpful to you, John, and thanks for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Would you like to hear this Light of the East program again? Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya. Or hear Father Loya's companion program, A Body of Truth. Just visit the radio page at byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. Or hear it again. Hear it again. Hear it again. For the first time. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East 14610 Will Cook Road. Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610, Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K, Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. <laughs>